Welcome to Transformation. I'm Don Wick from the Red River Farm Network. Transformation is made possible thanks to a grant from CHS Community Giving. Transformation began this past year as a partnership between the Red River Farm Network, the Minnesota Department of Agriculture, and numerous stakeholders throughout our region. We're working to bring awareness to the issues of farm stress and mental health with a focus on solutions. And we all know that uh, our lives were flipped upside down with the advent of coronavirus. But for those of us in agriculture, we saw those markets completely fall apart. And for animal agriculture, we've now seen the closure of the packing plants and the impact that's had on the industry. Our guest today is Jody Halla, who is president of the Minnesota Pork Board and the Director of Public Affairs for Christensen Farms out of Sleepy Eye, Minnesota. Jody, help us. Help us understand what's what's happening with these plant closures. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for talking about this today, Don, and the opportunity to, to have this conversation. So what is happening specifically in the pork industry is that when there are incidences of, of confirmed diagnosis of COVID-19 in packing plants, Workers are, workers are in close proximity with, another, with one another, and despite all of the CDC guidelines, uh, when we do have those positive cases, that, that does lead to some disruption in the plants, but not only on the diagnosis, but also just the fear that people have around uh, their, their own personal health and safety and that of their family. So some of the disruption we're seeing, it, it really is due to uh, the ability to get animals harvested. And certainly, as we've seen in the news, some of the plants and just finding finding the path forward with, with the appropriate health officials and the USDA and the businesses that are, pro- that are processing those animals to make sure that uh, animal welfare is taken care of, that people safety is, is absolute top priority in being able to accomplish that. Uh, and, and really, there's, <laughs> there's, there's no blueprint for this. And, and uh, so... Finding the right path forward is kind of just taking a little bit of time for people to work through. For folks that don't understand, hog farming really is a, a just-in-time business. And that any time we've got a, a challenge in the supply chain, that's where this is all coming to light and where we're having some of these uh, these challenges with the backlog of hogs. Yes, thank you. So um, pork production is at minimum a 10-month cycle. So decisions that were made 10 months ago on sows that were bred, uh, they will gestate for four months, they will grow for six months, and that, that's the animals that we're dealing with today. And certainly no one could have imagined we'd be in this in this place right now. There's, there's physical limitations in the plant on the size of animals that they can actually get through the equipment without causing food safety issues. So getting leaving pigs in barns for longer can create some animal welfare issues when when the pens would get so full that the animals have difficulty accessing the feeders and accessing the waters. And that's when you see a lot of aggression start to occur within the pens. And so really in this, between this rock and a hard spot of you've got these decisions that were made, you know, 10 months ago or four months ago and this, and these animals just keep coming into the supply chain. So when the big ones can't go, there's no room for the little ones. And that creates, exactly like you said, it just kind of really uh, creates a a pretty significant bottleneck uh, for producers. So now we're into a situation that's uh, pretty unthinkable for everybody involved, the idea of putting down some of these animals. I mean, who who would imagine euthanizing pigs not because of an animal health issue, but really this is because of a, a human health concern. That's what started all of this. It is, and you know, I've I've 
talk to my colleagues. There's been so much attention in in the past year about African swine fever and what was happening over in Asia and Europe and really trying to, to mitigate those risks and protect our United States herd. Um, and there was tremendous work done there with regulatory officials and really had the framework to be able to respond and manage that. Uh, but given that this is not a regulatory disease, the authorities within within the regulatory agencies and throughout government relative to resources or funding or incident command, any of that is really, again, unchartered territory in this situation. And it's absolutely unfathomable. Those in agriculture recognize the purpose and it's to provide food. And the fact that you physically can't do that right now and you're making choices about putting food on other people's plates in addition to how are you going to feed your own family when when you're losing the income there. So it's just, again, unfathomable. Jody, as you talk to producers, how how are they dealing with this? What are you hearing from, from your fellow producers? I, what I'm hearing is, I mean, it's just an incredibly resilient group of people, as, as you well know. But it's very, very wearing and emotional on mentally and physically. You mentioned kind of the, the harvest challenges of last fall and even last spring um, getting things done. So, And with the trade issues that we've had, I mean, it's just been a really, really tough couple of years here for for producers and to have it culminate in this is getting very, very tiresome. When you're to the point where you're euthanizing animals, it's it's got to be almost a grieving process uh, when we talk about that, that mental... Uh, uh, side of this whole thing. Would you would you agree to that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about everything that, that you get up in the morning to do, you, you make food for human sustenance. And it's not, it's, it's, it's the food, but it's also all of the co-products with everything that, that animal agriculture provides for society. And the fact that the resources used to raise them and it turning directly into a, a, almost a food waste when people are hungry, that's that's heavy. I mean, just the logistics of something like this is something we've never ever had to deal with before. No, no, it, it's it. I I can't even I can't even if I'm if I'm in in the cities and and I'm hungry and I see all of these things in the news, I, I would be so confused and and infuriated. Um, and as a farmer, again, also in the same situation of just not just so helpless and not being able to meet the need, knowing that shelves continue to, people need to eat, whether, whether you get in the grocery stores or in the food banks with the unemployment as high as it is right now, certainly the demand for food banks is tremendous and just really not being able to, to convert what we have worked so hard to produce into something that is meaningful and needed in society right now uh, is heartbreaking. You mentioned the your background in the animal welfare side of this industry. That's part of this story too. Absolutely, as like I mentioned earlier, when you can't move those market pigs, they continue to get bigger and bigger. And there's a lot of conversation that's really producers are doing everything that they can to avoid the situation. And I and I think there's some not in agriculture that think that it's an economic decision to. Uh, euthanize the animals and not try to find a place for them to to fulfill their purpose within society again. But that that's not it at all. 
again, when they cannot access food or water because they physically are just too crowded to be able to move within the space, uh, they start fighting. And from from a from an animal welfare perspective, uh, those injuries can be can be pretty substantial. Uh, and once they start, they do not stop. It's and the, and on top of that, to be able to be uh, provide additional care for those animals uh, as producers are going in the pens every day to try and treat the animals that become injured in a more confined area with really big pigs. That's definitely a safety issue for producers. There's, it, it, there's really, there's, there's, there's not, a, there's not a good solution here. Jody, are there any efforts being done in the industry to really help on the people side of this, the stress that they're going through with this situation? That is a great question. So, uh, particularly in Minnesota, um, uh, the Department of Ag has tremendous farm stress resources. I can speak for Christensen Farms. We've reached out and uh, and are working on doing some mental health training for our for our people. Again, just try to navigate navigate what it is that they do. I mean, people don't get up and go to work and say, you know, this is really what I had in mind today. But again, focused on the life saving efforts of of the animals, uh, providing food for people. I mean, that gives that's a that's a noble, meaningful, purposeful role in life. And to hear what's going on in the industry, regardless of, of what producer it is or what uh, individual choices different producers are making, uh, when you hear these things, it really becomes challenging for people. So, yes, the state of Minnesota does have some, have some great resources for people to tap into. And I would say that, you know, you mentioned the word grief. Agriculture has been through a, a lot of changes and this this definitely will be uh, an inflection point and will be uh, a moment in history for for obviously the entire world but for farmers they it's okay to not be okay and it's so essential to reach out for help we've got just a, again a very great work ethic resilient group of people that have been dealt one bad hand after another here and uh it's it's very important to reach out to those resources. They're free and they're there for for you. When I think of farmers, it's very task oriented. Put that head down and and drive through the the job that is at hand. This is a, a whole new world that we're dealing with. Are you guys talking to one another, one another and and uh, really helping each other on the mental side of this as well, Jody? We are. I know. So, so uh, Minnesota Pork has been working again with the Department of Ag on on getting some specific resources out there for producers, uh, and and continuing to provide the information through the channels. But I think it's really important to rely on the network of people that you have who are also going through the same thing as you are. It's uncomfortable to talk about if you are struggling financially or with the decisions people are having to make on their farm. But there's a lot of friendly people out there in within the ag sector that really just want to help and lean on each other uh, for for some support here. People, as in any business, but but people are what make agriculture so great. And um, there's a tremendous amount of support for each other and, and open ears. And I will tell you, no one's in a position of judgment by any means at this point, if ever. So, yeah best answer obviously would be getting the the plants all up and running and and back in operation when that does happen that i'm guessing is going to take some time too right i mean we just we're not going to ramp up to 20,000 pigs a day going through uh, uh pork processing plants uh, yeah that's a that's a really good point 
every it'll be a little bit different in every single plant again kind of depending on what what the agencies and the health departments work out within the states and again kind of defining what that blueprint looks like to get things moving again but the the challenge is again with the industry uh, as you mentioned as a just-in-time industry producers have they don't race pigs without knowing where they're going to go and so they've they've made their commitments and they have their contracts in many cases and the plants uh, I mean this is all this is all planned months in advance based off of what the consumer demand is and and what the plants need to do to be efficient this isn't just about opening them back up because you still have those animals that were intended to be harvested at that time frame but then now you have this backlog uh, that is that has been growing uh, in inventory out on farms and there's only so many hours in a day. You can't just add more hours to to your harvest capacity and and think you're going to work through that. So this will this will be with us for I would I would venture to say um, a year in some cases, uh, depending on on how how those decisions were made on farm. Just the the mechanics of euthanizing pigs in the numbers that we're dealing with here, whether it's compost or whatever the options are for producers, that's a whole different world as well. It is. And, you know, I think it's really important to note that producers are doing the very best that they can. I mean, they're committed to people's safety, to animal welfare, and to the environment. And so working with, uh, whether it's rendering companies or landfills or the composting, making sure that they are meeting all of the setback requirements, that we're not doing things that will cause issues or cause damage uh, years from now, and maintaining those commitments to being responsible with the environment through all of this. So, you know, that, that that's the other challenge I would say in this is that the producers are taking a loss for the market, losing anywhere from 35 to $40 a head if they're able to sell them. If they are not able to sell them and are faced with euthanasia, that is a 100% loss. But then you also have an added expense of what to do with that product, whether it is rendering or landfilling or composting. You know, you have to procure the equipment. You have to buy the carbon if you do choose to compost. That's an additional expense that often is overlooked. Jody, do you see some long-term implications out of this? Will this change the industry we know today? I think we. I think it will change the industry. I mean, if you look back over time and and how agriculture has changed, you know, there's there's market disruptors. There's good market market disruptors. You know, we think about technology. We think about uh, an increasingly wealthy society and demanding choice in in the meat case and just being really adaptable to that. But then there's those negative disruptors like the Spanish flu um, in the 20s, the Great Depression of the 30s, the farm crisis of the 80s, and what the industry looks like going into those points in time is very different than what it looks on the backside. But I, regardless of what the, what the industry looks like, uh, you know, farmers will remain committed to their people, to the animals, and to the environment. And, you know, my hope is that, is that we can see as many farmers through this as humanly possible with less than 2% of the population growing, growing food for the rest of the 98%. We can't afford to lose anyone. Uh, it is hard work, but it's a lifestyle and a, and a way of life. And, um, you know, for those, those farmers out there that are fourth, fifth, sixth generation and being able to, to keep that legacy going uh, is so important. And there's, there's a place for, for all farmers, small farmers, large farmers, organic, niche, uh, whatever it is. The, the world needs food 
uh, and we need we need all farmers to get through this. Good point. Any final thoughts as we wrap up, Jody? I would just say take care of each other. Find a way to get to get away from it. Uh, just to give yourself some grace here and 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 try to try to find some some peace away and lean on each other and and uh if anyone needs resources within within the pork industry uh i would say use the minnesota pork board uh contact information but beyond that lean on your department of ag uh they've got a tremendous tremendous group of people there and are are standing ready to help and want to help so that would be that's it i would say just take care of each other certainly the entire swine industry and and everybody involved with it are are in our thoughts and prayers right now, and we'll we'll get through to the other side. Thanks, Jody. Thanks, Don. Our thanks to Jody Hollow for sharing with us today. And a reminder, you can hear all of our Transformation podcasts online at rrfn.com forward slash transformation. It's also easy to find through the typical podcast channels, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And it's also available on your Alexa system as well, so check that out. As always, I'd like to remind you that help is available. If you're dealing with a stressful situation, the Minnesota Farm and Rural Helpline is available. It's free and confidential. All calls are answered by trained staff and volunteers. That helpline number is 833-600-2670. You can also visit minnesotafarmstress.com. Again, Transformation is funded by CHS Community Giving. This project began as a partnership between the Red River Farm Network and the Minnesota Department of Agriculture. And, of course, our appreciation to numerous groups throughout the region that have supported this cause as well, including the Minnesota Corn Growers Association, Minnesota Farmers Union, and the North Dakota Corn Council. Until next time, I'm Don Wick.